are Locked On Angels, your daily Los Angeles Angels podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Welcome back to another episode of Locked On Angels, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. You're locked in with your host, Brett McGuire. In today's episode, I talk to Taylor Blake Ward, formerly of Locked On Angels. We touch on the state of minor league baseball, the recent decisions to contract the teams down to 119, and we touch on the state of the Angels. Before getting into the episode, a couple things. As usual, if you want to follow me on Twitter, you can find me at BMAGS94. You can follow my written work at Crashing the Pearly Gates. And if you haven't done so already, make sure to download, subscribe, rate, and review the Locked On Angels podcast. So happy Tuesday. Hope you're doing well. Not going to take too much time here at the beginning. Nothing much has really happened in the baseball world. So I kind of want to get into this conversation with Taylor Blake Ward. I did have an article come out at Crashing the Pearly Gates on Monday. It's essentially the same activity I did here last week, looking at the top 10 starting pitchers that are available based on their projections for next year. So if you want to go give that a listen, I will provide that in the link. But that's pretty much it. So I am going to be talking to Taylor Blake Ward, formerly the host of Locked on Angels today. And we're going to touch on the state of minor league baseball. And we'll go, we'll get into this a little bit more in this conversation, but a little brief uh, prelude to all of this. Major League Baseball uh, decided to contract minor league baseball teams down from 160 down to 119 teams. So essentially, the concept of lower level short season leagues are not a thing anymore. A lot of those teams are either not going to be a thing or they're going to be a, a part of a different league, an MLB draft league, wooden bat league, that type of thing. But I did want to give a little brief intro to this whole conversation. Minor league baseball is going to look very different. And Taylor and I talk about some of the consequences that are going to come from this. And as you'll hear, both of us, along with many other baseball fans, are not big fans of what is currently taking place for minor league baseball. But with that being said, here's the conversation with Taylor Blake Ward. All right. Super pleased to be joined by good friend, Taylor Blake Ward. Taylor, how you doing? Brett McGuire. What's your middle name, man? Joseph. Brett Joseph McGuire. Good to hear from you, my friend. <laughs> good to hear from you too, man. Um, always good to catch up. I kind of wish it was under better circumstances based on what we're talking about. So I'll get right into it. Obviously, we all saw the news from minor league baseball this past week. I first like want to start this off by just asking a general broad question about what does minor league baseball mean to you? Oh, man. I mean, um, from the time I was a kid, I went to minor league baseball games. I got to see Felix Hernandez, Adrian Beltre, um, you know, when they were in single A. And what it means to me, I mean, it's, it was my start in the business was minor league sports. Um, you know, I went to a job fair for a minor league hockey team and got a job with a minor league baseball team. And it was religion. You know, it's like um, people talk about college football in the in the Midwest and in the South. And that was for me, you know, it's like a Tuesday night. Nothing's going on. We're going to a minor league baseball game because we can't. Um, I love minor league baseball. It's um, there are things about it that drive you crazy. You know, the development side of things. And when you start to learn more about it, there's a lot that drives you crazy. But the fact that the entire nation at one point was within an hour or two of a professional baseball team 
and didn't have to pay $100 for the family to go see a game. I love minor league baseball, um, and I, I want to continue to love it and cherish it. It, it means the world to me, man. I know that um, that's such a cliche thing to say, but honestly, minor league baseball, I owe a lot to minor league baseball. I owe my career to minor league baseball. Um, I owe a lot of uh, what was a listenership and an audience that, that read my work due to minor league baseball and the coverage of it. Um, you know, I've, I've had great relationships start from minor league baseball. Um, one of the first dates with my wife was at a minor league baseball game in Ranch Cucamonga. I mean, it, it really, there is so much about it that brings back memories of my mom who's deceased now and time with my, pa- my parents and my family. And, and, you know, it's like we had a cousin come out from Nebraska and we asked her what she wanted to do. She said, let's go to a baseball game. So we went to a 66ers game. I mean, it's, you know, the family ties, the close personal relationships and the, the business aspect for me, um, it, it really means so much. I truly cherish minor league baseball as a whole, um, starting with it doesn't matter who it is, whether it's the Burlington Bees or the Salt Lake Bees or the Durham Bulls, whoever it is. I, I, cher- I cherish every team and what they have to go through uh, over the course of a season. Yeah, your, your story, it's, you know, this is something we've heard similar stories for the past couple of weeks, the past couple of years when we kind of heard about this news that contraction might be coming for minor league baseball. And for those who are not fully familiar with what we're talking about, uh, minor league baseball reduced its teams down to 119. We saw roughly 42 teams uh, basically being eradicated or uh, relegated to a, uh, a draft league, essentially not super high competitive baseball. And, you know, in the process, we're going to see, we're seeing cities lose their teams. Uh, like I mentioned, teams are getting uh, relegated to lesser leagues. And like you mentioned, Taylor, many of these locations, they're for people who want to just go see a baseball game and quite frankly, can't afford to make the drive to Los Angeles, to make the drive to Anaheim. It's, it's become more expensive, like you mentioned. So I guess my question to you is, is there, is there any part of this decision that makes sense? Is there something that we're missing? Because it feels like it's universally hated by all baseball fans. No, I mean, yeah, it, it, there are some ways you can be sensible about it. You look at the Burlington Bees, and, and as much as I love what Kim Parker did, because the Burlington Bees were in a bad situation a few years ago, and Kim Parker came in as the new general manager and really started to restructure that uh, franchise. But they've been around for 100 years in baseball. There's a long history when it comes to Burlington baseball in Iowa. And, yeah, they only drew under 1,000 people per night. But all Major League Baseball has to do or ownership of these minor league baseball teams has to do is restructure, bring in a, an audience, you know, get to the marketing, treat it as a real en- a business entity. And that's what some of these owners of minor league baseball teams don't do. And we're going to throw a lot of blame on Rob Manfred and Major League Baseball owners, which a lot of blame is, is very deservedly towards them. But you have to throw some blame at the minor league owners and, you know, there's a thing about business is spend money to make money. And I know that doesn't work a hundred percent of the time, but realistically we've seen it happen with baseball and it does work. And obviously, you know, there's no control over the product on the field. That is according to the major league front office, general manager, my league director, things along those lines. 
But even if you can't dictate that, you can go to a professional baseball game at a reasonable cost, and the owners can understand that putting an investment towards this would be an asset. So as much blame, and trust me, when it comes to Rob Manfred and Major League Baseball, their bullying of certain teams, especially the city of Fresno, the 34th largest city in the nation, they want to bully that city. How stupid and idiotic can you be? But we do have to throw some blame on the owners of these minor league baseball teams as well. Yeah, no, I agree. And there's definitely something to be said. I was listening to a Baseball America podcast last week, and they talked about the difference between uh, minor league teams that are owned by major league teams and then like maybe privately owned ones. And there is a difference between that. But I do kind of want to touch on uh, the perspective from major league baseball teams. So I know one of the common arguments is essentially they want to get rid of some of the teams and put more emphasis on these specific 120 teams. So there's this discussion about investing more money into these players, giving them better pay, which is long overdue, better benefits, better travel, better diet, all that kind of stuff. Do you buy this argument at all? Do you you buy it? No. (laughs) No. You've eliminated how many playing positions on the field. Yeah. And whether those, you know, you're saying you're eliminating about 30, 30 playing positions per team. And I understand that there's, you know, the majority of those 30 guys is not going to become a major league product. But how important is, are the Crash Davises of the world? And I know that Crash Davis is a fictional character, but they're not. They're real. How many of those guys are not going to be in professional baseball because of this? And really, how much, how much is the pay raise going to be? How much is the benefits going to be? Is it going to be equal to only 30 members gone? Is there really a, a price raise? You know, when we look at this in the end, if you take those 30 players' salaries from the year and that's what the raise is going to be to these minor leaguers, it's a load of crap. Even if it's a 10% bonus on top of that, it's a, still a load of crap. And, no, there, there is no sense in this outside of owners. Uh, and I get it. Rob Manfred works for the owners. But Rob Manfred, Major League Baseball, and the owners of, as a whole look to strip money and save money and this is not going to do – this is going to only do that. That's the only reason for this. Yeah, and for the record, this was just me playing devil's advocate. I don't believe that sentiment one bit because I don't think it's an either-or thing. You can pay the players more and treat them better and still keep the same amount of teams, the same amount of players. So I, the counter-argument to that is when you're taking teams away, that's fewer players in the system. And last time I checked, baseball's kind of a giant crapshoot anyway, so you're – you know, you're eliminating more players to invest into. So I, I don't agree with it. I wanted to get your perspective on it, but I also think it's kind of, kind of a load of crap. Yeah. I mean, realistically, you know, we can rattle off players for days, but these guys that come in um, that don't make the majors, right? These 30 guys that are sitting there making 1200 bucks a month down at rookie ball. Those are the guys that are important to the Joe Adele's of the world, the Mike Trout's of the world. There are guys that, you know, if you ask Jacob DeGrom about catchers that helped improve his career and coaches that helped improve his career, they came from that minor league system. They came from that development process and helped Jacob DeGrom become the pitcher he is. They helped Mike Trout become the hitter and player that he is. And, you know, there there is such a thing as God-given talent, which, uh, you know, I don't possess. I'm not a major league baseball player who throws 99 miles per hour or hits 450 foot home runs. But at the same time, these are the guys, these 30 guys and these 
five coaches or however many coaches that you're eliminating are the guys that really do improve your major league product. And it's another knock on development and another knock on baseball for the future. Yeah. And I I mean, we haven't even touched on the community aspect, which I don't know if you're going to bring it up, but I'll hold off on it. But the community aspect as well and the jobs across mid-level towns in America are gone. Yeah, so I'll circle right back to that. I did have one other like question. Well, I guess it's one more comment, but we're talking about taking these teams away. We're also talking about the draft only being five rounds of this year, 20 rounds next year, and I wouldn't be surprised if the, the owners are pushing for that before the CBA agreement next year. So I think there's this, like, this PR ploy by Major League Baseball to make it seem like, oh, we're trying to just invest our resources into this smaller amount of players and we can make these individual players better but quite frankly i think it's bs they're cutting back on the draft they're cutting back on minor league teams i think we both agree that it's just not good for the sport just from a talent perspective no i mean you're gonna lose people to other sports because there are more opportunities and i understand that basketball is a limited opportunity sport but at the same time football they have I mean, really, football has endless amounts of roster space. Realistically, they do. So what's holding a kid from going, saying, uh, you know, let's use Jordan Adams as an example. Jordan Adams, familiar name to everyone when it comes to lockdown angels. What's holding him back from saying, hey, I'm going to go play football for my dad at North Carolina instead of try this baseball thing because they're screwing people that I know within the business. You look at Kyler Murray. Why would Kyler Murray sit there and say, yeah, let's go and try and be, let's go sit in Stockton somewhere when I can go and pursue a football. You're going to lose kids to other sports. You're going to lose kids to other sports. You're going to lose talent across the way because you're going to lose that development. And another big thing is you're going to lose love for baseball. A lot of people are going to leave baseball and whether it be, you know, the city of Fresno, I use the city of Fresno as an example, but we look at this, you know, if they'd have eliminated that Fresno team, if uh, and this example was given to me by Eric Longenhagen of Fangraphs, we were talking the other day, and he says, you know, if your uncle was beat up by a police officer, you're not going to trust police officers. If your parent lost their job in baseball, and that was your income for the family during the summer, was that your parents worked for a baseball team in Fresno, and that's no longer there, you're not going to like baseball anymore. And suddenly, baseball is going to have a deterrent for some people across America, and it's completely sensible. The MLB offseason is here, and that makes it a perfect time to go check out the Locked On MLB podcast and stay up to date with all of the transactions going on during this current MLB offseason. Yeah, and like that last point kind of touches on what we were talking about earlier with the community aspect. So we're talking about this from like a business perspective or a player development perspective, but I think equally as important as you're taking baseball away from communities. And even those teams who end up sticking around and having those MLB draft leagues, you're just not going to get the same product because a big part of it is people go to games not just to watch baseball, but because of the culture behind it. It's fun to go to minor league baseball games. There's just such a wacky, fun, different element to all of it. And taking that away from baseball fans, that you're losing out on hundreds of thousands potentially of fans going forward. So I kind of get your thoughts on the community aspect of all of this. Well, I grew up in a small town. There's only 10,000 of us when in, in my town and there's a lot of pride at the high school. And I, you know, that can be silly. And I understand that, especially for people that live in Los Angeles or Anaheim or 
wherever they live because they have pride in the Angels or the Dodgers or the Padres or whatever. But you have pride in your city. You always have pride in your primary city. And if your primary city is Burlington, Iowa, you're going to have pride out of what comes out of Burlington, Iowa, whether it be someone that's a local high school product or college product or some kid that grew up in the town or someone that played for your minor league baseball team, someone that started their career with your team, someone that started in your town, and now they're not going to be there, but they're still going to be major leaguers and you're still going to enjoy them, but you're going to enjoy them less. And like I said, man, you're losing, how many jobs are you losing? You know, every team has at least 50 employees. So you're talking about 40 teams getting, you're getting rid of 40 teams in major league baseball. That's, what is that? 2000 or 20,000 jobs. Yeah. Something like, I mean, I'm, my math is horrible. Two, on 2000. That. Yeah. 2000. Thank you. 2000 jobs, but still 2000 jobs at, at minimum. Cause you're talking about some teams that have a hundred employees and 150 employees. So you're talking about 4,000 jobs, 2,000, 4,000 jobs. That's a lot of jobs across the nation that you're taking away and a lot of people that are going to be impacted that no longer like baseball because that opportunity of work is no longer there. And you relied on that. And you're eliminating that economy for that little town, whether it be Burlington, Iowa, or um, Boise, Idaho, or wherever in the world, or in Utah. And that's just a horrible thing that baseball has put on the nation. Yeah. And I mean, you brought up the job thing too, and this kind of makes me think of another aspect of all this and that's scouts. We've already seen uh, teams just massively lay off their scouts and move in a different direction. And I've got to imagine that once we have fewer minor league teams, we've got fewer rounds in the draft. That means there are just fewer opportunities available for scouts. And I just, I feel very uncomfortable with, the direction of all of this. It just feels like it's going to basically eliminate a ton of jobs, fans, all of it. So I'm trying to, I'm trying to find some optimism from any of this. Taylor, is there anything to feel hopeful about with all of this or is it just a crappy situation all the way around? Hey, the owners get to save like $2 million, something like that. Congratulations. <laughs> like how, how is that supposed to make, us feel like cool you saved a few bucks but you're taking baseball away from all these communities you're just... gonna go you're gonna go sign some crappy middle reliever and that's not i'm sorry that's disrespect to a guy that's put that's disrespect to a talented guy who is a major league product but in all seriousness i'm sorry but if trevor bauer signs for 33 million instead of 31 million did you really save the money it's a great point it's a great point. And I mean, not, not a knock on Trevor Bauer. He deserves great money. But, I mean, geez, you know, like, I'm sorry, but $2 million to these guys that are billionaires. Um, you know, Steve Cohen, and I got to give it to some guys, you know, there are some people in the industry, the Kansas City Royals, Milwaukee Brewers, they're doing great things when it comes to this. And it's, it's a real shame that they're kind of being plugged in with these really crappy Major League Baseball owners. But you got to be kidding me. $2 million is – I mean – yeah, I'd be upset if I lost a $20 bill on the street, but I could find it somewhere else. Yeah, yeah, no kidding. And it's, you know, thinking about all this and the prospects of next year or next off season, we've got that CBA agreement coming up. And I mean, we could have a whole different podcast about this, but I'm worried that we're going to have these same issues really for the foreseeable future. Oh, <laughs> Uh, yes, I, I think that's a very fair assessment. Um, I think baseball has a lot of issues at hand. 
because um, you're going to, through this free agency process, I mean, we saw what James McCann got, and congratulations to him. $40 million is not what I would have paid for him, but congrats. You're going to be $40 million richer in four years. But I don't see this market playing out. And suddenly we see all the market inefficiencies. We see Bryce Harper signing in the middle of March. I mean, I'm sorry, Bryce Harper, love him or hate him, that guy is worth the money, and he's worth the money in December, not March. There are a lot of market inefficiencies along with a lot of crap that's coming from this office, and baseball players are being very vocal about it. You look at Jack Flaherty. You look at Trevor Bauer. You look at uh, guys across the league that are very, very unhappy with what's going on in Major League Baseball's executive offices, and this CBA negotiation I, I see some very serious struggles coming forward in, in a year. All right, Taylor, last question I want to touch on. I want to pivot away just a little bit from this, and I want to get your perspective on the Angels' trades for Jose Iglesias and Rysel Iglesias. Just, just a few quick thoughts on the moves. Do you like them? Do you think it's going to be good for the Angels next year? Love them. Um, Jose Iglesias is a very similar hitter to Andrelton Simmons. Obviously, the defense is different, even though, and Drilton has regressed defensively over the years. But um, for one year of Jose Iglesias, I think you filled a spot that you really needed. And it was a pretty cheap, I mean, reasonable cost. $3.5 million, I think. And um, Garrett Stallings, he's obviously a pitching prospect, and you want to keep retain pitching prospects. But I don't, you know, this guy doesn't even really crack 90 miles per hour all that often. So I'm not big on him, and I understand you can work in that. 80s range, but nothing really there for me with Garrett Stallings. Um, Gene Pinto, kind of more a statistician thing, kind of a two-pitch guy. There's a lot of projection there, but it's not necessarily more than a relief projection. Um, so I thought that was a great trade when it comes to the Angels. Bryzel Iglesias, I feel very similar. Um, you know, it, it, they traded a middle reliever for a closer, and then they traded kind of the money for Leonardo Rivas. And I, I like Leonardo Rivas. I'm a, I've been a big supporter of his. Um, guy that gets on base, a lot of speed that he utilizes well. He's kind of versatile in the field. Not so sure about his ability to stick at shortstop long term, but a guy that can play the middle of the diamond. So I think the Angels came out well. Um, you know, relievers are a little tricky. So Rizal Iglesias has been one of the better relievers in baseball over the last half decade, and I think there's still a lot to really cherish there. So I think there's talent, but I think they improved on the 2021 roster very quickly. Um, without giving up some any premier assets or premier money, I think it was when you look at it combined, it's somewhere around ten and a half million dollars to find a closer and a shortstop, which is not easy to do. Um, they still have a lot of work cut out for them, though. Um, I mean, the the catching market, whether it be uh, Tyler Flowers or Kurt Suzuki or Yadier Molina, you're gonna have to find a catcher to kind of platoon there with Max Stassi. You may need to find that left-handed bat, but you've got a lot of holes in pitching you still got to find. And whether that be Trevor Bauer, who there's a lot of excellence when it comes to Trevor Bauer, um, but I don't know if he's that frontline guy. I think you, you need to look beyond Trevor Bauer because that's a lot of money for one spot. I think you need to distribute that money around a little bit and find two guys for – basically, I know that's hard to do, but find two guys for Trevor Bauer's one spot. And uh, you got to find some relievers as well. Yeah, I agree with you about the Bauer thing, and I'm sure we'll get ripped on our mentions tomorrow when this podcast comes out because no, I, mean, I, I, I... Well, just Trevor Bauer is a great pitcher. There's nothing wrong with him. But if you are 
handicapped financially. And if it's for one year, it's a different story. And that sounds like what Trevor Bauer is looking for is a one-year deal. And if you're willing to pay 30-plus million for that one year, then great. So be it. But you kind of need – you need more than just Trevor Bauer. And you need some more guys outside of him that can really give you impactful innings. And I think you have to look beyond and get guys that are not just Trevor Bauer. You need to go and make that trade for Sonny Gray or you Darvish or Herman Marquez or Kyle Hendricks, whoever it is. And then you have to add another guy. And sadly, that other guy, when I look at the free agent market, you know, you have Masahiro Tanaka, James Paxson, Taiwan Walker. Those are very talented pitchers. But you have to add on top of that. So I feel like you need to get one of those guys, maybe even two of those guys, and you need to get a guy that's similar to Trevor Bauer value. And I don't think you're going to pay for that. I really don't see anyone paying for that, especially when you need a catcher and another item. I agree with you. I'm, <laughs> I have an article coming out at Crashing the Pearly Gates, and I basically touched on this exact thing. And you look at the best starters. You mentioned several of them it just makes so much sense to go out and trade for Sonny Gray or Blake Snell or Herman Marquez. Like you mentioned, you can get those guys. You can get two of those guys and it's still going to cost less than Trevor Bauer. And yes, you're going to have to give up the prospects in those deals. And that obviously has to factor in, but the angels don't have unlimited money. And I, I agree with you. If they go out and sign Bauer, they basically have no money. They're capped. It's like they're, they're strapped with money. So we'll Very see what close. happens. And, and, and if they go do get Trevor Bauer, that's a great addition to the ball club, but you need more. And that's not a knock on Trevor Bauer, who is a very – I mean, coming off a Cy Young award-winning season, but outside of, uh, the you know, two years over his last five or so, he's only a slightly above-average starting pitcher. And I feel like you need, you need two of those. You don't need one. Yep, I'm with you. Uh, Taylor, any last thoughts on the Angels heading into next year? What, like, if you had to go out and make – one move right now like what's your what's your next move oh um i trade for a guy i trade for a guy of quality and what i would try and do is go see if i can find something similar to what atlanta has i would go try and find one of atlanta's young starters who has years of control or blake snell or uh, herman marquez i i don't want to get a rental I would want a guy that's going to stick around with me for a few years there. Um, and if it does end up being like a guy like a Brandon Marsh for a young starting pitcher uh, who maybe hasn't excelled yet, but has that projectability. So if you can add two Griffin cannings to your roster at the cost of a Brandon Marsh and to someone else, I think that's what I would try and do. Um, at the same time, I don't want to get rid of Brandon Marsh. I think he's a very special talent. So, I mean, that's why I'm not paid the big bucks. <laughs> All right, Taylor. Good stuff as always. So fans, you know where to follow Taylor on Twitter. You can follow all of his, his written work there, his thoughts on baseball. So Taylor, thank you as always for joining Locked On Angels. Brent Joseph McGuire, thank you, my good friend. I might have to start using that from now on. Maybe I'll uh, <laughs> add that on the little Twitter profile. Hey, BJM is a lot better than BM. <laughs> <laughs> All right, man. Good talking to you. You too, buddy. That's going to do it for today's episode of Locked on Angels. Big thank you, as always, to Taylor Blake Ward for hopping on the show. Fans, you know where to follow him on Twitter. Make sure to go check him out and stay up to date with all his 
information, thoughts, and analysis on the state of baseball. That's going to do it for today. In terms of what is coming later on this week, I believe I will continue doing these top 50 Angels player lists. So we'll probably take a look at numbers 45 through 41 on Wednesday's episode. And if anything comes up in terms of transactions, trades, free agent signings, all that kind of stuff, you can check that out here. But that's going to do it for today. Thank you as always for joining. Stay safe out there and we'll talk some Angels baseball on Wednesday.